0: Careful with that copyrighted music there, Shale.
1: Those seven notes, which is the amount I can legally recite, actually. Which is the... Truth. Excellent work, then. <laughs> <laughs> that the Mario... Yeah. It, was no, it,
2: wasn't it was indeed. It was indeed. Be
1: careful. You're playing with fire. We did seven already. No. <laughs> okay, okay. So, each speaker will have two minutes to speak on each topic. If you'd like to respond... Oh, you see? I'm reading the first part again. <laughs> okay, okay. Um... Welcome to the Yang Yang Roundtable, an ongoing discussion of poverty, UBI, and electoral politics. It is Sunday, March 15th, 2020. I am your host, Shale. And joining me are five universal basic income advocates for an informal discussion. If you would each introduce yourselves in your own name, just say your name and your Twitter handle. I will start with you and go
3: down the room, Ariel. My name is Ariel and my Twitter handle is Ariel's underscore armada.
1: Elizabeth.
4: Elizabeth at Unicorn36902.
1: Faye.
5: I am Faye Ku and my Twitter handle is at
1: Palestine Math. Thank you. And our guest, Heidi Briones.
2: My name's Heidi Briones, and my Twitter handle, handle is Heidi Briones. That's okay. That's <laughs> okay. Uh, that's totally fine. Um, Heidi Brionis. I might have to go with like uh, Heidi B or something. I don't know. But uh, my, my Twitter handle is Heidi Brionis. And you can also search for me, Heidi for Oregon, if that's easier for you.
1: And uh, just please very quickly tell us about Heidi for Oregon, about your campaign. Right,
2: yeah, sorry. Um, could you repeat that? It cut out for me. For oh, yeah.
1: Sorry. And um, if you could tell us about your campaign quickly.
2: Of course, I'm running to be the new representative in Oregon's first district uh, for the U.S. representative spot. I'm running currently a primary against the incumbent, and everything's going pretty well, so pretty exciting stuff.
1: Thank you, and we are very glad to have you. Um, Mia?
2: Hi,
0: I'm Mia. My Twitter handle is Mia Songbird, at Mia Songbird, no spaces, uh, M E A.
1: Thank you, Mia. All right, speakers. You have the floor.
3: Uh, Heidi, um, do you you get in contact with your other UBI caucus members and and have like meetings and things like that?
2: Uh, We don't have meetings. We have a group chat on Twitter and I've talked to some of them in person and I've met some of them in person. If they happen to be in Oregon, there's Blair Reynolds, um, who's just over here and we meet up. Uh, I've, I've talked to them, you know, one-on-one and things like that and personal conversations, mostly just online, uh, for now, but no, we don't have uh, formal meetings. It'd be great if we could, uh, I believe it'd be very difficult for us since most of us are running races, um, and want completely different time zones and everything else, but it's definitely a good idea. And we do want to do that type of thing as soon as we can work it out.
3: I, uh, because I, I just thought it would be an awesome idea if as a, you know, you as UBI advocate, because, because UBI has now, especially with this virus going on, has taken on a life of its own. And now, like, I think that that's awesome. And we can really, really push for this thing as hard as we can right now. But to be effective, I just think, like, if we're as organized as possible and we're planning and we're, you know, getting feedback of, like, how our efforts are going is informing the public and moving the public, I think that this case is now as strong as it's ever been.
4: Yeah, I I think um, it's actually been an interesting argument for the timing of Yang's suspension and being on CNN, because over the last week or so, while we've been talking about an emergency UBI, I've also seen a lot of the, like we were talking about CNN influencing him, but it seems he's had a really big influence on them. A lot of their talking heads have been out Talking about an emergency UBI as a good solution to the problems Geraldo we are Rivera. currently facing, which is beautiful to see. Yes, uh, yes, we we fucking need it. Yes,
3: you you know what? Geraldo Rivera, who is a staunch Republican, was just on Fox talking about it, and there was some lady in a green shirt going like, "How do we pay for it? How do we pay for it?" And then Geraldo just goes like, "We we we printed all that money." Yeah. It give it to the banks <laughs> like, yeah after
4: this just, after this last week i never want to hear the question how will we pay for it again because just right. hey i snapped my fingers and a trillion dollars are
3: going to be a drop in the
4: bucket of stocks
3: the the wool the wool has been uh taking from our eyes of this you know thing and now that they're money voodoo whatever tactics money work. voodoo
0: right Money because- voodoo
3: indeed <laughs> Right, yeah, their 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 money vo- no, they, they tried to do the, the old two thousand and eight thing now and it didn't make a, a bit of difference. It it just slumped right back to where it was before. So it's like all of a sudden the money appeared, then it disappeared. So you can't you can't tell me well, that you don't know where it is.
5: Heidi um, do you need any donations? Do you have a, a a website that you would like us to go to if we want to donate to your campaign?
2: Absolutely. Um, uh, of course, I do need donations. Uh, my website's Heidi2020.com. And you can click on donate there. Probably the easiest way. And no donation is too small. Basically, with the grassroots campaign, we take a small donation and we're able to multiply that. Um, by using it to reach out to people that can donate more. So if anybody has a few bucks, um, I know it's a tough time, obviously. If you don't, totally understand. Um, but if you can share it with somebody that does, we are actually able to use that money and multiply it and reach out to larger donors. That's what we're doing right now is actually buying um, the ability to reach out to them through um, how it works. So <laughs> $5 can easily turn into 500 um, God, this system is that. ridiculous. Yeah, it's well, money's not real, you guys. So, like, that's like, like it's all yes, it's a human the, concept. Yeah, it's all just the value that we put into Ooh. it, and that's why that one point five trillion exactly. just disappeared. We're um, all because, using Monopoly yeah. money and pretending it's real money. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Facebook. reason so it's so such crazy is
5: when the they actually give. Yeah. Deal- it, when they give that money to very large corporations, the idea is that those corporations will use it to maybe pay their employees and things like that. Well, but that I, is not what's going to happen. And so like you can tell already because Jeff Bezos uh, is is allowing Whole Foods to to suggest okay, to their employees yeah that they should like maybe just share their vacation with people who need it. And if you don't need your vacation right now or your your you know sick days, give it to someone else who does. And everybody's looking at them like, "Excuse me." Well, to have the need- employees do it. I think that's a problem with
4: how we like it, it's something I I said on something Bernie said. If if the government was if we were getting a UBI that was substantial to meet our needs, I wouldn't, and I don't think most people would feel the need to pressure corporations to take care of their employees, like, their yes. people. Like, like their I, own I, children? I I, yeah, like, I don't think that should be... It shouldn't be on the place that I work to make sure that when I'm not there... I'm taken care of. If that's right. going to be on anybody, it should be the overseeing national body that I pay a bunch of money mm-hmm. to every year. On like, a different <laughs>
0: note, Walmart having food drives where its own employees are the people expected to bring in the food to d- redistribute to their employees is a little bit of a problem, too. <laughs> right.
4: That is. Well, I, don't,
0: well, I don't
5: think that's the that, same thing I, repeating itself problem.
0: I
4: don't everywhere. think that it would
3: exist the, the, if we were getting a, the, the UBI Republic that we're owed. Let me say that I just have to agree with the Republicans. Socialism is wrong, and especially it's wrong when we have socialism for corporations. That's wrong, right? You know. So, so th- th- there is a way to frame this thing in a in a very capitalistic American way. If we just call it what it is, it's basically just uh, privatizing the gains and socializing the losses. Wouldn't it be nice? Well we know
5: why we know why the the politicians want to give it to these corporations because they foresee that their donations from these corporations will be a problem and that they're gonna get angry calls, you know, from the corporate Mm -hmm. heads who have their actual cell phone numbers, right? Right. Like we don't have their cell phone numbers, so they don't care. We're just gonna march in the street and they'll send some riot police to come and send us back, you know?
4: Well (laughs) even if we even if we did have their personal numbers, our problem is we either need help or we die so they have the option of we just wait until they can't get in contact with us anymore but and, and, mm. and again i think i don't i don't think that should be on the company's backs i, I think that should if it's going to be on a back it should be on the government that we are paying to protect our rights they should well, be I, actually doing if, that if we are i paying- agree
5: because health care shouldn't be on their backs either yeah.
4: it shouldn't it's well, that I mean, only happened because they were trying to provide more incentives for people to work for them and we codified that shit into law instead of saying hey the government could help with this as well
3: it's well i i, I mean they are they are public servants so if they're not serving us then i think what the fuck be, is the point they, they they should be fired i mean we are paying them and they're not doing their jobs so they go away and that's why we have people like heidi So she can probably do a better job than they do.
0: (laughs) Putting Heidi back on the spot for a moment while we got her. uh, I did ask a little bit earlier and I wanted to make sure that we get it in there. What was your conversation with Andrew Yang? Like when you got a chance to talk to him about how UBI would affect LGBTQ issues.
2: Absolutely. Um, Obviously it was a very short conversation because there were a lot of people in line, but I tried to get out everything I could in that little, whatever minute that I had, but I just, I just explained to him that his policy, um, you know, universal basic income was the most, you know, LGBT friendly policy around. And I told him my story as briefly as I could that, um, you know, when you're uh, when you're growing up, you know, gay, queer, you know, whatever it is, uh, oftentimes that's a very hostile You know, relationship that you have with the people that are you know providing you care, and you know, in in your family, Um, and you know, if I, when I was growing up, would have known, wow, when I turn eighteen, I'll get thousand dollars a month. Like I can go and you know live with a few of my gay friends, and we can you know be ourselves and feel free and know that we can you know live our lives. And and I, I I broke that down very briefly, and then I also told him about the more recent story of me and my wife and how you know, we announced that we were going to get married, um, that we were engaged. And uh, I know for a fact that if I would have been marrying a man, it would have been a way different conversation. And people would have been like, you know, lining up to help us out. And you know, when's the wedding? And how can I send you gifts and all these things? And we did not have that response from either side of our family. And we had to pay for everything on our own, um, you know, people very close to us in our family never sent us a gift or like anything like that. And we're two women. So women, you know, make less money than men do. And when you put two of them together, it's not necessarily like it's, it's still an advantage to have a partner and all. But it's still like it's twice as difficult, um, you know, to be in a lesbian marriage in my viewpoint. And I was explaining that to him that it would put twenty four thousand dollars into every single gay marriage and you can't just support gay marriage and pass the law and then be like, great, have fun trying to survive. And we'll just pretend that you don't have struggles um, economically now. And that there, you know, there isn't still discrimination and that you aren't still like in, you know, just because you can do something doesn't mean you're supported. So I broke that down to him in a much more succinct way. And he was very, um, you know, empathetic and was like, that's so terrible. Like, I'm so sorry. Like, you know, that you go, you're going through that. And you know, I definitely w- want to help. Um, And, you know, I, I kind of lightened the mood and had him be like, you know, I, that's why I want you to write. I love lesbians in my book, <laughs> just to kind of lighten it. And then he started laughing and he's like, I do love lesbians. <laughs> and I'm like, I know you do. That's a really like, cute story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then he wrote it in my book with a smiley face. It took a picture of me and my wife. And then he remembered us as we were leaving. He was like, Hey, like he's walking out. He's like, Oh the beautiful newlyweds, like congratulations, you guys. And like gave us a hug and then walked out. And I was just like, Oh, thank like, man. We don't we don't deserve that, man. He's he's such a good guy. Um but yeah, it was it was a beautiful moment and I I knew he understood. I even asked him, actually I, I left my pen. Um it's kind of funny. I I left my pen with him and he's like such a nice guy, but he like ran back to give me my pen, you know, like, <laughs> like after he had signed my book, he ran back like, over, I'm like, oh my God, he's running towards me. And he's like, here, like you left your pen. And I was like, thank you. I was like, do you understand what I was saying? I know I was talking fast. He's like, yes, definitely. I totally get it. And he like ran back and to go like take more selfies, but it, it was the sweetest. It was like the best, one of the best moments that I can remember.
4: He just seems like such a genuinely wonderful human. It's it, it, it's My vote was very easy to swing For him because honestly my entire plan For 2020 was to write in Joe Rogan Entirely based on the fact that I also Think he is a genuinely wonderful Human so Just getting that same Vibe out of Yang plus all Of his wonderful ideas that actually Seem like they'll make forward progress For us in our lives It's like yeah you've got my vote In forever Like until there's any better option, and I don't think they're like I can't imagine what a better option would even look like.
3: I mean, we—why should we even care that he's suspended? I mean, we—we we got the humanity forward thing going, and we're—we're just—we're—we're we're strong. I think stronger because I think the suspension of the campaign has like freed us up. To kind of make like a thousand mini campaigns.
4: Yeah, it freed us from focusing entirely on the presidential race and getting this there because that's how you get
3: things done. And it was like, okay, no, we have to focus more broadly on helping.
4: So we
0: can support people like Heidi. Entire
3: country, (laughs) exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And then I think Heidi, like maybe what you can do is like go, like you know who, like your local council members and city leaders are just uh you know try and see like hey what's going on over there how how can i get them involved or aware and stuff like that and then it'll just spread well that's
4: something we all can be doing
3: yeah like there's a very
4: real case for like Find your local meetings of your Mm -hmm. town's government, of your county Mm -hmm. government, and attend
2: those meetings whenever possible.
5: Unfortunately, okay, I was advocating that months ago and all the way through until just now coronavirus. So I don't think meeting people is for the perfect time right now. (laughs) In fact, I was going to say our next big thing is that there's going to be a... um, convention coming up for democrats at least i'm pretty sure republicans are having their conventions too and during these conventions are when we can pass resolutions and um a lot of people are writing resolutions with their yang gangs or wherever you know wherever they are um i think maybe more more submissions is a good idea just as a show of power but yeah. it could i don't know if it also means we're not <laughs> so,
2: <laughs> so
5: but um, i did
4: I did also kind of just want to talk about the convention quick because I know we were talking about um, how we all were under the impression that Yang would be waiting to endorse somebody until the democratic process had played out, presumably after the convention had decided the candidate. And that is something I've thought about because I live in Wisconsin, um, where the convention is for better or worse taking place this year. And I know a concern I have going into it is that division like physically being present because uh there has been a fair bit of. when talk is
5: that convention is that in April,
3: June I
4: think it's either April or, or April. June it's right at the beginning of summer um so my Texas to state be convention in, uh, June. we we have my- our primary in April which I think is just before the convention
5: so in in Texas we have a state convention that's happening in uh a week from now March 21st like that and that's what I was talking about actually like not the national convention but the individual state conventions and during that state convention is when the first resolution stage has right so you need to be passing things through uh, to your state conventions and um, hopefully everybody finds out how to do it in your state if you're in Texas and you want to know I guess you can twitter ping me or something and um, I'll send you the information uh but we're we want to write at least the UBI resolution from each right. uh state yeah, and we because- also want maybe a few more what about things mm-hmm. like um the gross national uh, happiness that's been turned into the american scorecard you know the basket of measurements that drives our decision making rather than using gdp right. um i think there's a lot of good things that came out of the campaign that we need to write resolutions on and everybody should go and do that
3: I, I, um, okay, so right, not meet physically, but at least, okay, then, t- t- flood them with emails and phone calls and social media stuff and stuff like that. Okay, don't, not, don't get like, too, too much, but like make a make a compelling case. Like leave a message in a in in a way that uses a lot of logic and a lot of you know emotion and write emails and that. Well, sort. there's
5: a specific format for this resolution, and I'm not that good at it, but I've seen like a sample, for example. And if you need a sample to of I can send you the one I have. And what you do is you say, "Where okay, it looks a lot like the House resolution that uh, that Tulsi did." So you say in, in the first few paragraphs, it's all wherefore this for this reason. So you put all your reasons and you put data
3: and statistics at the
5: top. And then right. um, at the bottom you say therefore we should do this. Right. And that's how well,
3: that works. I, I, I had an idea too. Like um what what is it? And and if there is like a no on your resolution, like you you don't don't let them get away with no. Say, okay, why do you vote no? that's that's what we need to know that and 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 like a lot of times like more conservative leaning people say that oh well the facts don't care about your feelings but then we say like well the fact is that this is very possible and this will solve the problem but it's actually your feelings that are getting in the way of these practical solutions not being implemented.
4: Well, and in this particular context, people. we're talking about Democratic conventions, so we shouldn't be dealing with the standard Republican right. answer to these things. Um, I did just look oh, it up. Okay. The national convention is July 13th through 16th, it looks like. And my state convention, if we happen to have anybody from Wisconsin listening, is in Wisconsin Dells. From June uh, on June twelfth and thirteenth.
0: Now I want to make sure. We
4: vote April. Have our state convention and then the national convention. And
5: you usually have to like register in advance. So in our state we have to register, and then I'm I'm suspecting they may cancel them. I don't know what's going on.
4: I would be unsurprised. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Schools are only shut down here until April sixth, but that's that's very clearly a first guess of a date because. We don't know how this is going to impact us for longer than that. I'd be unsurprised to see closings for longer than that.
0: Elizabeth, uh, you had said earlier yeah. you would like to talk to Heidi a little bit about um, some of the campaign stuff. Were there any specifics you wanted to ask?
4: Oh, just uh, so, particularly roadblocks you've encountered and how your. Like, if, if things from your personal life have impacted the. Uh, the viability of your race. So I know a a concern for me is I would be interested in running locally, but I don't know how much of a support pace I actually need for that to be viable. And I don't know how much, um, I don't know, things like my online activity might, uh, come to affect that. And I'd be interested to hear that from the ground.
2: Absolutely. Um, of course, there's tons of roadblocks. I mean, there's a roadblock around every corner um, when you're a grassroots candidate running at any level. So, especially with somebody like me with um, little name recognition in the community, um, running against a incumbent that does take corporate PAC money, um, not having like any money really, <laughs> like to self fund or anything that uh, some other people might be able to do. Uh, But I'm just the type of person that I just think, well, you know what, I can figure it out. If it's possible to do, I'm going to figure out how to do it. So I just go step by step. um, And I try not to get overwhelmed. So I mean, I guess the first roadblock was um, actually getting on the ballot was super easy. It was $100. And then they sent me a message from the Secretary of State. Great. That's great that you're on the ballot. But if you actually want to get in the voters pamphlet that everybody you know, gets that actually tells them who you are, then that's $2,500 or 300 signatures. And I'm like, okay, cool. And uh, <laughs> I was like, well, I'm definitely going to 300 signatures, because I don't want $2,500. And I don't want to spend it on that anyway. Uh, so what I did was, is I, I mean, the whole reason that I ran was because Andrew Yang dropped out, and I wanted to keep the movement going. So I'm in a lucky position where the Portland Yang gang is very active and very, very willing to help. And I'm super grateful for that. And they all were willing to immediately move from the Yang campaign into my campaign because I'm running on his, you know, same humanity first platform and universal basic income. So I have a ton of support here. And I knew that. I mean, if, it, if this was a different climate, I would not have run. There's never been another time in the past where I could have run it's because that gang dropped out and I know I'm in, you know, I'm familiar with the gang in the community and I could get them together and we could make some things happen. And I got my 300 signatures cause I don't have $2,500. So that's like the first roadblock. Second one was like getting a bank account for some reason was incredibly difficult. Couldn't even figure out how to get somebody to give me a bank account. I would walk in and some people wouldn't take me seriously Period. Just because I'm a woman, I guess, and I look kind of young. It's like something that does happen in my life in general. So um, that might be just my own, um, you know, thoughts about it. But I I just thought it was it was difficult for me to actually get um, a banker to take me seriously.
5: Well, I actually heard from, um, I think it's, um, well, I won't say the name, but someone else who's running as a representative on UBI, who said that um, because of the incumbent already having had a bank account at some other banks, he wasn't allowed to get bank accounts there for some reason. I don't understand why. (laughs) That's very weird. Maybe conflict of
0: interest somehow?
3: I think, um, Heidi, why don't you um, notate all of this, put it into some kind of like, journal or case study so you know when Mm -hmm. when somebody else decides to run or decides to do these things they'll know what to expect so they can preempt all of you know all this stuff i think that's a great idea yeah what a great idea Um,
2: i absolutely would like to write it in a in some kind of a book like maybe a, a a shorter format ebook or something like that i'm not sure but um, I could put together right. something like that for let's, sure um that's definitely UBI probably caucus would probably crack help you the
3: code you know like we this, this is the power that we can have as as sometimes we just think we're individual citizens, but if we crack the code to how all of this stuff works, there's nothing stopping us from like it, it like yang took every single approach he could first, he went as a as a citizen to Washington to tell them about the problems. They they were they had the Scooby Doo like thing like who? And then and so he he ran and he got really <laughs> loud, And then and then when he he suspended his campaign, he went the nonprofit way. And not only did he start the nonprofit, he became somebody on CNN. So we just have to keep punching at this thing until it finally cracks, you know? And there's so many yeah. avenues in so many ways, and we can be very creative and have a lot of ingenuity. And you like this? This is going to be awesome, you know. Got to take totally. down that,
5: I like your idea so much. I'm going to go to the UBI caucus later on the Discord server and ask them to actually start a project to gather up the information from people who say, "Oh, these are the these are the problems that we've encountered," and to write like notes. I think that would be a really great um, yeah. project, and if we have like professional writers, right, kind of, uh, or people who are who are willing to give that time, they can, you know, collect the information so Heidi can continue doing her stuff that she's really busy with.
3: This is the power of individuals with ideas coming together. Doesn't matter what our labels and our titles are. do, do you do you not see this? It it's it's just so powerful and it's it's just our minds and our mouths and already we've come up with all these things.
5: Heidi, were you um done telling us about your um your run and the issues that you faced so far?
2: Um yeah, I mean that's 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 the definitely the, the first things that have come up. Um there's, there's tons of other roadblocks and issues, of course, like I said, a lot of it just has to do with being a grassroots candidate running against an incumbent. So which basically comes down to money and fundraising, um, and getting that together. And I also work a full-time job. So that's like a major roadblock is wow. I, wow. I actually, yeah, I, I work full-time and I have to somehow keep my job, you know, just in case, because, you know, that's, that's how it goes. Um, and, I'm trying to keep them happy and trying to work my campaign. And I've had to hire, um, you know, I hired a campaign manager, which he's great. Like Michael's awesome, but I still have to manage him. You know, it's not like I have to, I can just be like, okay, go do whatever you want. Like I, I have to like tell him, you know, give him some direction. And, um, so that takes time. And then I have people contacting me where it's like a conversation that I need to have immediately. And I work in an inbound call center. So I'm like, cool, I need to have this conversation immediately with somebody important that could help me. And I just have to go into break really quick and hope it doesn't go over 15 minutes so I don't uh, get written up or get in trouble. Um, So it's like, (laughs) it's the definition of stressful um, is trying to do all this. And then now you have coronavirus on top of it. So that's just like affecting everybody, which brings down the morale and the ability to do the in-person grassroots fundraising that is necessary, which Face to face, I'm very good at. I'm, you know, I have a good conversion rate. I have great conversations if I'm able to get to somebody face to face. But that's going to become increasingly difficult, and it already is being, you know, becoming increasingly difficult to get that one on one FaceTime because it's just not possible right now. So there's there's so many things going on. So it
0: sounds like you've basically taken on three extra part time jobs with very diverse
2: needs. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's sort of. That sounds about right.
5: What a way to describe that.
4: Well, I I think you kind of touched on, I think one of the problems we've just had generally with this movement is so many of the people that support it are supporting it because we need it and we need it because we don't have money. And unfortunately, getting things done in this country Mm, frequently requires money.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that's the uh... probably
5: in every country. But uh, I have another question for Heidi, then, if she's done talking about that part, I wanted to know I have, um, I know of several people, all right, who are running for office, or maybe, you know, uh, even incumbents, who knows, Uh, but we're talking about people who are politicians that are you know basically friendly to UBI. They basically believe that at some point in the future we will need I, if not right this minute, you know, for the emergency. But they just won't come out and say it. Now, what do you think? I mean, is there is there some benefit to having to being the UBI candidate, or is it just all like difficult?
2: Uh, I mean, pff, everything's as difficult as what you make it. I mean, I don't think that. I don't know. I don't think that there's anything um, as radical as people think about UBI. It's just it's just a new concept that people have started talking about more recently. But I I don't believe that it's a radical concept. And I don't believe that it would actually hurt anybody's campaign if they frame it correctly. I think anybody, Democrat, Republican, everybody should come out in favor of it. It is the most nonpartisan thing that I have ever heard of. It is just like, mm-hmm. it's just money in people's hands. It's not bureaucracy. It's not taking away from some people and giving it to others. It's universal. Everybody gets it. And it's, it's a stimulus. I mean, Republicans used to be in favor of this type of thing. So I honestly don't get it. Like, I don't see how it could hurt um, anybody's message if they frame it correctly. And it can be framed to anybody's demographic in the right way. And if you want to propose a different way to fund it or a different way to to set it up, then I think that that's great. Um, I don't think that the UBI thing really hurts anybody if they if they know how to frame it.
0: So you've never like knocked on a door and had somebody come up and told them, hey, I'd like to give you $1,000 a month and had them be like, how dare you? <laughs>
2: uh, I haven't. I had have one of my volunteers. <laughs> who, uh, I actually had one of my surprised. volunteers, though, who um, she's a Lyft driver, and she was trying to canvas for me in her lifts, And then um I reached out to her I'm like yeah how's it going were you actually able to get me signatures like like in your lift rides and she's like actually the first time I tried the guy was against UBI and he reported me and I was like oh my god okay well don't ever do that again I don't want <laughs> I don't want <laughs> you to get in trouble um so that was that was pretty shocking to me um of course there's going to be some people that are against it I guess for whatever reason it's completely bizarre to me
3: a gig worker uh, of course well a I it's against
1: UBI what in no, the- no, no! She was in a
2: lift. Yeah, the passenger oh, I was
1: confused. So I go.
2: No, sorry, the passenger. Well, she's I a think- Yeah.
5: Well, a lot of a um, yeah, a lot of people believe that UBI is some kind of way to suck money out of their pockets, and it just doesn't make any sense.
3: It's right. just ridiculous. Or, yeah, it's- or 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 they're like, oh, I take great pride in working. Nobody said quit your job like well what's frustrating the- is
4: we're getting that argument from both sides mm-hmm. which shouldn't be happening
3: mm-hmm, and, like, mm-hmm.
4: I-, I know i'm not the only person in yang Gang who experienced that post that initial hesitation when talking to somebody about ubi most of my struggles were with people that were to the left of me if they were to the right of me and i was trying to convince them of ubi i was very easily able to frame it in a way that they could accept and even if they couldn't agree with it they could see why i would but a lot of the times when I was talking to someone to the left of me, I couldn't even reach that same place, that's and um- I don't, I don't understand why yeah. that's happening.
1: Well, I think it's because they feel emotionally entitled to your support, and they feel betrayed, and they can't even think clearly. They just feel like you're a Democrat. <laughs> How can you not? I don't know. I'm, go on.
3: I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. my, they um, could get bent. my um, <laughs> my you you said that that um, like we need money, like Faye but then I think. That what what's even more powerful than money sometimes is just rhetoric and framing things the right way and having a way to get that out to people can be even stronger than money. I mean like Uh, look at Yeah.
4: Long term maybe. In in the short term, I I I need
3: money. (laughs) <laughs> mm. like, yeah, money no, would have
4: no, a more no, powerful impact on the right. I, I think People's you mean in
3: things
4: politically. I, when I, you're I, talking I, about I mean any kind of
0: project management you have two things. Either you have a lot of time to do something and not a lot of money or you have a lot of money to do something and that can decrease your timetable and that's something that I actually learned while doing project management with my game art and design classes. Um, but you need one or the other and if you want something to happen right. fast you do have to have money to accelerate right. the but rate of- Then that message Bloomberg.
3: out uh bloomberg spent like a horrendous amount of money enough to give everybody in the country a million dollars and that is not he, how much he
4: spent that math was horrible
3: oh that math okay yeah so so then he he more than a million or less
4: that
1: was like
3: 10.
4: way way less he, oh. he spent what 500 million
0: That
5: the comparison like was a bag of M&s.
0: million people
4: a
3: dollar uh. Oh okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, okay. It would pleasure. have
5: been more if he had gone all the way to November, so his pledge was for the right. entire yeah. season.
3: Right, right. So so and all he won was American Samoa. So money like it becomes it becomes redundant after a certain, you know, threshold. Unless well, you have, I, a more, the, the yeah, I, have a message.
0: The point is have a message more than anything else. His
4: message was Trump bad, and we've been hearing Trump bad for four years. That there's nothing about Trump bad that distinguished him from right. anyone else running. So it didn't work, because he wasn't offering a new product with all that money. He was offering a shoddy repackaging of the same product mm-hmm, we've been mm-hmm. swallowing this whole time. Mm-hmm. In the case so
5: where are trying
4: I to actually, bring...
5: something... Go ahead, Faye,
0: I've
4: been talking um,
5: much. That's okay. Um, so for I wanted to get back to the idea of getting our actual, you know, getting candidates to declare for the things that they actually believe in. Now, the thing is, I know that there's also now a Republican running on UBI in the UBI caucus, and his name is Dan Larson. He's running out in Montana now. Do you have any Republicans in your area that are running with the UBI yet, Heidi?
2: Uh, No, I do not. Uh, Not that I'm aware of, at least. Um, I haven't heard from that, but I did get invited to go on the um, Young Republicans podcast, which I'm still working out of time to get on there with them. But um, I'm pretty excited about that. I'm I'm interested to see if I can bring on some of the young Republicans of Oregon onto the UBI concept. Even if they disagree with me on pretty much everything else, I really don't care. Um, So uh, that could reach. Well, yeah, um, because this is a
5: transformative. Yeah, This is a transformative and very uniting policy. I mean, and we don't know what the country is going to be like if we were ever to actually pass it. So many things would change.
4: It, it really is. Um, my so my family broke really hard when Bernie dropped in 2016, and one of my siblings went straight toward white nationalism. And the Ooh. last time, yeah, I know. Boy, some of the arguments I've had with that one. Um, but we can like talk policy. Uh, and he, he wasn't a supporter of yang but what he saw him as was a threat to because he can actually solve the problems that are happening and he didn't agree with his solutions entirely but like ubi was one that he did agree with it was one he said he would have liked to see trump adopt and you know we're in a drunk timeline where there's a slim chance that's about to happen so i mean maybe
5: (laughs) i wonder if one of the uniting okay if if ubi is a uniter for young people is
3: are you thinking of people in your for sure it is um uh, the, the it thing is. because i think that the millennial generation has been hit the hardest we, we we just came out of uh studying like right when the recession was going on and that wasn't wasn't cool it's like telling someone like uh, hey do you do you want to breathe oxygen and they're like no um I I lean this way as my political party, so I don't need to breathe air. I can just... I prefer lead. Right. (laughs) I prefer lead, or I prefer to drown. Like, get that air away from me. I don't need to breathe it. Like, who... Like, no one... It doesn't matter what label you have.
5: (laughs) I think that we have some toxic narratives in our rural communities, especially, where we have a lot of football and church... And, um, not much of anything else. Like your social life is pretty much, um, you work all week, then you maybe have one day to do chores and then set us to go to church or, you know, some people go on well, Saturday or Friday, but yeah.
4: with, with him in particular, what, what kind of happened was, um, if anyone's heard of my town, Baraboo, Wisconsin, they've, they've heard of it because a year ago we made national news for a group of high school students doing a picture and, They were apparently asked to do a very enthusiastic wave and thought it would be funny for some of them to start doing um, the Nazi salute. And when that got taken nationally, it was taken as this super racist town full of white nationalists and white supremacists and just a bunch of Nazis. And the kids in our school went, well, if they're going to call us that anyway, we might as well actually look into the thing. And it oh was, no it was horrible to watch because like it was these high schoolers who were not radical being radicalized by the national narrative about
0: them and oh that's it, so it, terrible yeah. I remember when that happened that's I kept problem. my nose out of it for a very specific reason because I think we're very judgmental of our children even though we shouldn't we be. really
4: are and it really was just this this photographer being like okay big wave home and some of the boys being like hey this kind of looks like a salute that might be funny and like half of them did it and months down the line someone else was like yeah hey but that wasn't cool and it became this whole national stink that wasn't actually about the nuances of what happened it was just hey look at these nazis aren't they terrible people we should ban them from everything and it had the effect of actually radicalizing some of these kids
0: i mean my son likes to do a lot of dark humor he's 14 and he thinks it's just the best thing in the world to run around making fun of those sort of things and he means it in a completely sarcastic or ironic way but if it was taken out of context he would be taken down in our current society yeah well, that's just, case,
5: just right yeah. back to cancel culture because we have so many you know so many people not just young people we've got the older people who don't know how to internet And I've already had to do several like live stream things to like kind of try to save people from just making silly mistakes, you know, that they don't know, they don't understand the, you know, how to use, they don't have netiquette because they didn't grow up in our digital environment.
3: But you see some people like they, any kind of publicity is like good publicity to them, but it's like, oh, well, like at least when I'm doing something, no matter whether, even if it's like. People think it's terrible. At least I'm being noticed. So that would explain why the kids were feeling
4: There were definitely some of the kids that, like, my brother was, that was a sentiment he was expressing. Was they wanted to try to turn that into national attention for what they saw as the flaws of the arguments of the, it was, man, when someone's been push to that they come up with some because they they just end up like group thinking these arguments that make no sense outside of the context they're used to having them it's mind-boggling
5: what i'd like to see is i would like to see the big city people coming out to the rural areas and mixing it up more so for example in our rural area we're generally older and we're generally poorer And we, but yet we're the ones that are expected to always go into the big city for the social gatherings, right? And we're not doing that anymore right now because of coronavirus. But, but like, if you want to see a show, it's going to be in the big city. It never comes out to you because you don't have a stadium. If you want to go, uh, to a convention, it's never going to happen in your small town. The politicians never show up in our small towns. So it feels like we're very, we feel very neglected and unloved. And so honestly, I feel like, um, yeah.
2: Go ahead. I'm sorry. Definitely go, Heidi. Um, I just We've only really got you that so that's long. Like an, yeah, that's just another huge reason for universal policies, like universal basic income, for example, and universal health care. I think that policy does affect these things, and we try to pretend it doesn't, but if we have more unifying policies and we see it in other countries where they do, you don't have this type of thing. People are a lot more forgiving and a lot more willing to be like, hey, we're all part of this. And then to speak to your rural issue... If everybody had a universal basic income, people would be going more to these rural areas like somebody who's an artist like maybe would would, would have a concert there because everybody has the money now to pay for a ticket. Um, so it's just uh, it all does come back to, I think policy and having um, a framework you know that is universal and unifying. So I agree with everything um, that's being said and if we bring it back to policy and get the the media, Um, You know, out of our heads with this power trip, um, if we have more power in our hands, we can change the narrative. Um.
0: Democracy dollars would be pretty helpful with getting politicians out to local places too. just just to touch on another Yang subject that we don't always bring up here.
5: Right. And and we need to write resolutions for all of those to put into all of our conventions.
0: And (laughs) and
3: instead of us paying attention to the national news, the national news should be paying attention to us. How is that for a change?
5: Well, one of the major things that would uh, change some of this is uh, we need to get the internet working for people out in the, in the rural areas. And um, I actually missed a major meeting this last week in my small town who was talking about how to get internet out to us. Um, I'm going to have to, you know, catch up with the other people who actually attended, but that is not a policy that Yang had. That's a policy that I think Klobuchar had. And I don't know which other candidates might have had it. So um, I'm hoping that that is something we...
4: Yeah, uh, universal internet would be great. I I know I'm one of those people who is just kind of waiting for Elon Musk to launch his um, nationwide internet plan he's been talking about because we've got one option out here and it's trash.
0: Yeah, Yeah, and it should be a utility at this point too. It's no longer something that should be like the wild west of the internet. Everybody needs it.
5: And I hear a lot of uh, interesting things. For example, people say we can't get it does uh America's too big. Now, I'm not sure if that's true because China just finished putting up a, a satellite system. It's called Be- Beidou, which is spelled B-E-I-O-U, and we are hearing very little about it here in the United States. It's like... Total propaganda war at this point. It's on. It's completely on in the rest of the world. So China is really proud of it. And they are going around to all the different countries in the world, letting them know that they can get on this new, um, satellite system, which provides free GPS to your phone. But also they've partnered up with Huawei, which we are trying to ban here. Like if you, if you look up Huawei, H U A, WEI in the United States, you'll probably get a bunch of articles about how China's trying to spy on you through their phone systems. <laughs> you know, and so so but what's really going on in China, they're offering this new they're going to be offering a new phone which is a satellite phone by design, okay? And it's going to give you free internet, free phone calls. Like you don't need a phone service in order to use it to make phone calls and get on the internet. Can that you imagine delicious. that? That's
0: awesome. That sounds so and delicious. And it's a satellite phone.
5: It's a satellite phone, so it's, yeah. you can do it anywhere. You could be in the fucking desert, right? You could be on top of them. Um, i I'll actually share with you guys their um, their propaganda, you know, propaganda um, video. But I believe that at least the you know the basic facts are true, right? Um, the system exists now; it's complete, and they're about to roll out all the stuff that we're not hearing about in the United States. So, how is it possible? You can't do it.
4: Yeah, no, that's that's frustrating because I understand having. Can, I I understand the prop pro, the reason for the propaganda on our end is probably that we're concerned that it's China and you would think that the answer to that would be to be working on it our damn selves. Like if you don't want China controlling free global internet because they are very censorious and seem to be very controlling of what people can and cannot see and say, then we have to be solving that problem ourselves. We have to be totally. working toward having a. A hand in the open, free, universal internet.
2: Just so far behind, it's like we're just like literally, <laughs> we're like decades and decades behind. That we're like, oh, let's just be mad at China for doing it first instead of like getting on it. Um, you know, it's like, yeah, okay, if you don't want China to do it, then yeah, literally do it. That's that's the solution, and there's no reason why we can't. I mean, supposedly we have the best technologists and best minds in the world working here. Mm. Um, re- what are they working
3: on? The only the, the thing problem is, is then, our
2: private sector is ahead in those matters, but our government is so
4: far
3: behind right. that they're so not
4: utilizing our private we, sector
3: we, at all. Apparently. We have to, we have to really light a really, really big fire under our government's ass right now, like as fast as we can, and hold their feet to the fire. Light first under their butts, and then it's on their feet. And like, we, we, we take a microscope to how uh, effective they're being or what, like, what are their flaws and things like that. And we're, we're, we're no, no more bread and circus, no more distractions. You know, we, we got, we got to get on the ball before it's too late.
2: Yeah, why well, we I, need to go in regular people like myself. Just another plug there. But yeah, yeah, we do.
4: We we need regular people running. That that is the that is the solution to this. Because my my concern when people talk about holding feet to the fire is a lot of the way I see that discussed online in some candidates' camps more than others is actual unrest and violence. It's part of the reason I'm worried about our national convention, because there has been talk of, well, if we don't get our way, we set Milwaukee on fire. Like and that's that happens to Milwaukee, not unregularly, so it's not outside the realm of possibility. I, like, I we oh, need yeah. drastic violence
5: change. Oh, yeah, violence is definitely on the table these days. Yeah, it is. And like, it's and definitely happening in Texas also. And, and the- overly cheerful we- references to
0: guillotines.
4: Yes, like, we need that sort of drastic change, but not those means. I, I have a family who... A- getting getting a not well-off family through a revolution is not historically how things seem to work it seems like usually our demographic is the red shirts we are the people that die in like in actual in actual revolutions that are not peaceful democratically achieved revolutions
0: well, I mean, if you look at, I, I hate to reference this movie here because it's way out there and hyperbolic, but uh, if you look at The Purge, the uh, people who were doing fine during The Purge were the people who could buy the means by which to protect and defend themselves against the uh, chaos.
4: Everyone else are the people murdered for the enjoyment of doing so. It's, that's us. <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, if we're going to talk movies, I'd like to reference back um, that, you know, the V for Vendetta. There was that great um, story within the story of of um, the lesbian couple, the one, uh, you know, when she was, when Evie was thrown into jail. Mm-hmm. Did you ever watch that movie, Heidi?
2: Yes. Oh, absolutely. So, That's definitely one of my favorite movies of all time for many reasons, but Yes.
5: But I really loved how it was connected uh, deeply to the f- the idea of freedom, and how freedom is really about being able to make your own choices, regardless of what your family and all these other people are trying to um tr- trying to do, you know. And and freedom is so much more than just not being incarcerated, because freedom is about having enough money and means to have a, a decent life.
3: Right, and freedom of speech. If you think about it. It, it, it you, you, if, But if you say something and it sticks onto your reputation and it messes up your prospects for being employed and making money, that's not true freedom of speech because the, the money acts as something that can shut you up. It's like, okay, say what you want. But then we'll, we'll take away all the oxygen in the room. But sure, you're not you're not like killing the person, but you're suffocating them, you know?
4: Yeah, that is, that is
5: well, a very real and And I that. think that the great thing about the um, uh, understanding that freedom is connected to money and all of these other things, and of course your health, is that basically if you have to depend on another person or on a corporation or on somebody else, other than the you know the, the federal government, then that means you're not free your your freedom is only given to you because you have a wealthy husband or because you have you know parent or because you have and like the freedom should be something given um, by the aegis of the entire government. The government should be that to you, not your job,
4: not
3: your
0: Absolutely. going back to what Elizabeth was saying earlier, yeah, I agree, both of you are right there.
4: Yeah, absolutely.
3: They're... And and don't forget that the, the, there are a lot of con- conspiracy people out there that are like, why the government? There are all these like rich families and like people like that. No, the, that that's why we make the government us. Well, this uh, this is it is us. It is we the people, not them the oligarchs. And, and Let's that's, remember and that's that. the difference
4: between a UBI and like asking for like a broadening of the general safety net. I'm not asking for the government to make decisions for me with this. I would like them to do, as Andrew said, the one thing they are good at, and send me a check. I don't need them to make any decisions beyond that. I would just like a check, and I can make my own decisions, pass or fail, with that money. If I succeed, great. If I fail, that's on me at that point, because I was given the means to try to succeed. Exactly. Uh, but they, like, something about this brought up the uh, dignity of work argument with me, the uh, that you you should find your dignity in your work and my my problem with that is if if we're a family which we are our our work is taking care of our family my work is keeping the house running and people fed his work is keeping our our our, our livelihood functional his job has nothing to do with that that's something he has to do so he can do the actual work we need to do a big part of the problem that right. I think a lot of people have is that their job sucks all of all of the oxygen out of their personal room. I have no energy left to do my actual job because I have this non-job job that I have to do to do my real job.
2: Right. That's um, that's sort of the concept <laughs> of uh, trading time for money, which is. Um, interesting, because if you talk to I, I used to run in a lot of entrepreneurial self employed circles and go to those types of conferences. And the main goal of literally everybody was passive income. You know, everybody was like hustling well, and doing this and yada. yada. It's like, why right. do they want passive income so that they can stop trading time for money and they all wanted to work on something way cooler and bigger than what they were they were doing on with their time for money. And that that's the whole concept that everyone's striving for. And suddenly it's okay, if somebody gets that if they're wealthy, and they're rich, if they have, you know, passive income, but it's not okay for the poor. To have passive income. Right, it's only okay
5: if you're smarter than the person next to you, and somehow does something that they don't know how to do, and you get okay. ahead of it's, them. It's right,
2: meritocracy. Then it's like we need to destroy that concept that only people, you know, certain people are, are worth this, and other people, well, just just struggle and just keep trying to trade time for money, and somehow <laughs> try to make that work, even though you know that it's impossible. Uh, if, it's, it's horrible. There was a time when that kind
0: of made sense, when there were so many things that needed to be done to keep a society functioning and running that you need to keep people on task. But we're also moving into an age where labor is being um, driven out of our society. Like, it's not like we need 500 farmers out there doing that when we can send a fleet of robots to go do the same job.
4: And we should be able to view that as the windfall that it should be. That should be the greatest thing to happen to our species. We'd have the ability to replace manual labor. The fact that that's a problem, that that's become a stumbling block for us, is beyond the pale. It's 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 depressing. Yeah, it's demoralizing.
3: We we are expected to do work that doesn't
4: need to be done to continue surviving.
3: Busy work, there's there's so
4: much wrong with its existence.
3: Right, And, and that... That is directly related to the people who we have making the decisions for our society. And hence, we are here with a person who's who gets it. And hopefully we can get them in and we can get we can we can just bring in the new blood because their bad decisions have bad consequences for our lives. So we replace those people with people who can make better ones.
2: And that's what they they set up our constitution to be that way on purpose. You know, um, one roadblock that I didn't mention before was people telling me, I don't have enough qualifications or experience or accomplishments um, to be running. And I'm like, interesting, because (laughs) the constitution is set up so anybody who is a resident of a state, not even their district, can run to represent that state in any district. And I believe that that was on purpose. You know, it's so that somebody like me, let's say I, I lose in Oregon or whatever a horrible, you know, the worst case scenario I lose. Um, I could move to a different state and run there if somebody gave me an opportunity and they're like, Heidi, I think you could win over here and you can represent this district because we want you to represent us over here. And that's done on purpose. That's done on purpose of the Constitution and for a reason so that this kind of stuff wouldn't happen and we wouldn't be in the situation. Well, so hey, if, if you don't make it there,
4: I please come to Wisconsin because we have my, my congressperson has no one actually running against him. He has not put forward his opinion on UBI at all, which drives me crazy because he's a Democrat and like people are asking this and I would like an answer on it. And there's there's no one to even primary
2: him. <laughs> so that's like that's you definitely know, I actually want to say that I see. Yeah.
5: What I wanted to say was, um, I think you're right that we designed our constitution to work that way, specifically because we believed that people, ordinary people, would, would have better idea how to run their lives than somebody who says, I am more educated and therefore I have more credentials than you. Or I have more experience because well, I've been a politician well, my whole well, life well, than you. you
3: is like, let me say experience doesn't mean results. Who gives a damn about your experience if you're producing the worst results on the face of the earth? That's not experience. That's just time. That's just time being wasted. If, if you, if, if it's not, it's not, I don't care about experience. I care about performance and we have seen their performance and it is horrendous. It's time to just. To clean the slate.
0: So, for example, you wouldn't want to elect somebody who claimed they were a businessman and bankrupted practically every company they ever owned.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah, oh boy. <laughs> nice no, <laughs> dig at T. Why would we do that? I can't imagine that ever happening. Right.
3: right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well well so no, I have no, a I thing don't. about
5: meritocracies now what what country is actually built on meritocracy? I think you guys might be surprised i I think that the ultimate meritocracy in this in this world is China, and mm. China has been a meritocracy through multiple government toll systems right before uh communism came, it was a democracy, and before the democracy came, it was a um it was a monarchy, right? It was the imperial system, and those his, throughout centuries of imperialism. It's always been a meritocracy above all. So yes, the emperor is always the is always the emperor, and his family is going to continue down the line until somebody takes him over. But all of the um, people that were elected into government were not elected by people, you know, um, voting for them. They were elected by how well they did on tests. So you would have to learn the language, you would take years and years to learn this very difficult writing, you know, calligraphy, and you would have to learn how to read and write and express yourself. And then you would have to take these tests. And if you were wealthy, you had a better chance at it because your family would, you know, get you the best teachers and put you in the best classes. And, you know, you would have the free time, right, to to make sure that your children learned, And then they could become a government agent. And that person would rise among the ranks with additional other types of tests, right? So it's like, um, when I tell people that China is a meritocracy, they don't quite get it. It's like, but if you're a Chinese person, you know, this has always been the system. It didn't matter who's on top. You know, the way that we, we choose our representatives in China has always been, they do well in in tests, and then they do well in, in small groups, you know, and these groups push them up to become the eventual leaders.
0: I am absolutely uh, going to say this real quick. I don't actually think anybody's got the perfect governing style down yet of all the countries that I've seen. We have yet to, as humans, figure out how to decide who deserves to be on top and who, well, you know, no one deserves to be on bottom. That's that's one of the big things that we need to actually have our government enforce. No one should be on the bottom, and no
5: government does that. That's right. That's exactly what I'm thinking, is the problem is we've built a pyramid, and there's so many people on the bottom being crushed and we have to flatten that out. And so it doesn't like we have a system here people have to run these you know very com- very expensive races, right? Look at how much money we spend on the presidential races and then how much money it costs for each of these individuals who like Heidi who need to run for their office. Have to let so many people know and it takes a lot of money. So, I don't even know if this is the best system, but this is the one we have. Um, yeah, look, well, and I sure think it. and I think
4: Yang had the best ideas on how to flatten that out that instead of taking the what I what I at this point call the traditional to the left of me approach of bringing the top of the pyramid down, he's trying to lift the bottom of the pyramid up, which seems like a better That's way to do it to
3: so me. So much more sense. Yes. Right. And and we don't we don't beg the people on the top for for scraps. And for handouts, we say like, "Hey, like you're standing on top of us. We'll just move out of the way so you don't stand on us anymore, and you have no right to be standing on us." And and you you're it's it's like we don't we don't want parasites. We don't want to parasitic relationship between the people who are supposed to be representing us it can be more of a symbiotic relationship because we have heidi on here but you think that the current person who's in congress right now would ever actually come here and actually talk to us like this even though they're supposed to be representing us i doubt it
4: i don't know it depends on who she's running against i don't know who the incumbent is there
2: uh, no she definitely wouldn't I don't even think she runs her own Twitter account <laughs> so I've been trying to both me and another girl that's that's running in my district have been trying to get her to respond to anything I haven't ever seen an actual reply in the reply section on Twitter which is a huge that's that's signal. how I
4: feel about my uh my representative if I only have I only know how to try to reach out to him on Twitter and I have never gotten a response and I've never seen anyone re- I've never seen him respond to
3: anyone. And sometimes his opinions of it. Even even if you get a response, doesn't mean they're they're actually going to do something about it. They just they just say, oh yeah yeah, we'll look into that. Well, well what what does that mean? Well,
2: even, I, uh, yeah, even this- even in District Three, like Earl did just come out, and I think Earl's great, and he came out in, in support of UBI, which is nice. Um, I haven't seen the action yet, so I mean that is a good point. It's not it's not just enough to have a tweet. <laughs> we need some actual major well- action.
4: I I would like that is very true, but I would at least like as much as a tweet. Um, I because I I want to make I, I right. want to be able to make any decision about it, and I can't if right. I don't know where he stands. I I know I know he supports Bernie and his policies, and that's as much as I know about where he stands on this because he hasn't said anything about how whether he would even support a bill on it
2: got to realize most of these people are just coasting. I mean, it's such a cush job for most of them. I mean, they make like 174000 a year. Um, they have a staff that does everything for them. I mean, I know I worked in Sacramento. The, the actual representatives, I would say a grand majority of them, do very, very, very little. And they coast and they just think it's just like a nice cushy job. And then they move into the private sector if they do whenever they leave. Um and make even more money. So, you know, it's just the the setup is they don't do a whole lot. It's just have the reality. One of the things I, I suspect like to say- they don't
5: even read some of those bills that there's to be voting on and they just let their, you know, lobbyists or whoever tell them what they should vote.
2: Staff tells them exactly what to do. I mean, I worked in the staff, I was a legislative aide and we would do all the research and we would just hand it over to them and they'd walk out onto the floor and, and vote most of the time. I mean, some of them were more active, but in general, it was that, that simple. They were too busy going to fundraisers because they need to raise money to stay in office. So they'd be doing that and talking to people and bigwigs and running around at these meetings. And we'd be doing all of the work figuring out how they should vote. And they would just trust us and be like, cool, yes, no, down the so, line. So <laughs> right. what
4: I'm hearing is that instead of trying to gang Congress people, we should be trying to gang their staff.
2: Oh, (laughs) shit, you finally got it. Yes, find the (laughs)
0: stuff. One thing I'd like to say before we have to go, Heidi, um, regarding your Twitter activity, uh, it really does help a lot. I go through a lot of the UBI caucus on a semi-regular basis. I meant to do it daily, but uh, things have gotten kind of crazy. But it really helps a lot for people to understand who you are and where you're coming from when you are engaging with your own Twitter. I have noticed a huge difference between the kind of activity, say, you get or um, some of the other more active ones get compared to the people who are just like, yeah, I've got UBI in my uh, platform and I'm never going to talk about it again.
2: Right. Yeah, no, it's very important for me to engage. I mean, in fact, it's crucial to my campaign. And I think that if I, I didn't have you know, that and I wasn't doing that on my own, I wouldn't have the fundraising that I have. I wouldn't have the volunteers that I have. I wouldn't actually have a shot at all. So it's definitely not enough for me to have lip service, because I don't have the self funding or the, you know, the the resources that some of the other members may have. So it's crucial to me. And that's how I would be still as a representative, because I don't want this job as a career, I want to get some stuff done, and get the heck out and go live my life. Um, It's just, you know, I want to get the work done. And I'll continue to be the exact same way um, when I'm a representative. That's you're building great. that was, kind
0: of trust. That's, that's I was, what I'm trying to say. There is you're building that kind of trust when you're interacting with people on Twitter regularly. They can get to know you through that, even if they don't get a chance to get to know you.
4: The uh, few times I've talked to someone locally about like trying to feel out whether there'd even be a network for me to run, that was basically what I thought I'd run on. Was I'd like to get into office and then get out again as soon as possible because I really don't want to be there. I have no actual personal interest in being there, just clearly someone needs to be there.
2: <laughs> oh, I mean, I think that it's it's important, though, to get there to do the job and to not see it as, as a ticket for something else. And that's, you know, I mean, you have so many people in there that are these multimillionaires from their careers in politics, and that's what they do. They're career politicians. And that's, you know, they were a lawyer, made a bunch of money being a lawyer, used that money to fund you know, their, their run and then now just coast and it's their nice little cushy job. And that is not their job. <laughs> like, like I'm sorry, but that is not their job. They're, that is, you know, a complete waste of our taxpayer resources and they need to be doing something. Like they need to have an issue that they're running on. They need to get it done. And then they need to honestly get the heck out of there and they can go and be, you know, a multimillionaire because they're already, they're, that's what they are already. So uh, that, my, my purpose is to get in there and get the work done similar to what Andrew wanted to do. And, you know, I hope that uh, candidates like myself do have that, that chance at all levels, um, very local all the way up to the president. I hope that's the type of people that we start putting in there and we start, you know, electing people to do the work.
5: Now, I think if we were serious about our democracy, we would make it easier for people to learn about their candidates instead of making it so people have to spend, you know, hundreds of thousand dollars to, to, to put out ads and stuff like that. I mean, I feel like that alone is ca- creating the private ownership. Um, uh, aspect of this of the government that you know it costs so much money to run for office. If we were serious about this, we would have developed systems that would be owned by the government to you know to to be fair to all of the candidates and to give everybody a chance to be heard. Much like you were saying, why does it cost twenty five hundred dollars in order to get yourself on that um, special voter form to even be heard? Well,
0: the cost to print it is probably nowhere near that, and it's also in the public's interest to get it funded outside of that
2: because they don't actually want people like like me to run actually is what it comes down to is that they want people that they know because they know they can control them and it's clearly obvious i mean there's a huge entrenchment of wanting that that's why incumbents win so many times because they have the funding people know them the, the party knows they can control them in some manner um, and they're able to give them more funding because they, they know that. They've had those conversations with them and fundraisers and they've written checks um, that ensure that. And then they keep them them in because they have the funding and the resources. It's just a, you know, it's a cycle that continues. And I hope that we can push that out because we absolutely can. Like we absolutely can do it. And We just have to care enough um, to figure out how and be creative enough and, you know, continue to push. I do think that's if what... Somebody-
4: Part of what makes UBI such a great issue is it brings such a wide variety of people in for a, a relatively easily understandable policy that would help just such an enormous number of people that we, we really do have the numbers on our side if we can just reach out to everyone who would benefit from it.
5: So the other problem of the the story of the meritocracy is that it justifies the pyramid where we are now. It's telling people that, oh, if you were more responsible, if you didn't, you know, smoke or if you didn't do this, then you wouldn't be diabetic and then you wouldn't have this problem. And then you would be able to make all this money. You know, if you get an education, then you'll get the money. And it's not, um, but it's, that can only, it can succeed one person at a time, right? But what we really need is to go after the regulations that, that create the entire structure of our, of our money system. And people are are
2: no. I just I was just agreeing, but but yes, it's it's policy. I mean, it it definitely is policy. Like that person that's diabetic. Well, maybe if they had universal health care and preventative care was you know talked to them about consistently and pushed upon them, and that physician was rewarded um, based on how many people he prevented from getting diabetes, then that would be (laughs) a totally different situation. Or if we had a different education system. I mean, I can tell you for a fact that if you look at my net worth and my bank account and my debts, uh, getting a college education doesn't guarantee, you know, a damn thing, to be honest. So, well,
5: um, <laughs> right. I have a college education also. And right now I'm living a poverty life. Yeah.
4: Yep, and I do, well, uh, I do think yeah. the existence of the internet is really good for deconstructing that image of meritocracy because we're that person with diabetes is able to look up and go, well, yeah. Then how come this person who has almost the same vices as me is yeah. doing so incredibly better? Like I, the mistakes I've made, I've, I I own them, but I'm also able to look at people who are doing better and go, okay, but they've made similar mistakes but it didn't sink them because they're they were doing better than i was to begin with
0: well because society forgives you if you've got the money to be forgiven
3: right. yeah. well well it's kind of like um what is it you, you remember but ba- i remember reading back in medieval times where like the church would give these indulgences they, they were literally called indulgences it was like oh you pillaged you raped you hurt people well, just, you know, pay us this money and you'll be forgiven. And it's like, oh, you can't pay the money like you're going to a bad place. But th- literally, they called it indulgences and they just let people don't, pay their way. out. You of mean they shit.
5: don't have them anymore? I thought they still have those.
3: Right. So they just yeah.
5: Except, except now, they just except now they're
3: now. <laughs> now the indulgences are called like subsidies and lobbyists and or all this you, other. Stuff. You pay
2: a really good lawyer. I mean, if you can afford the better lawyer, you're probably gonna right do pretty so, well. I mean, so that's, that means that's the like thing, liberty right?
3: and justice for all, but you know, like it, it depends on how much it. how much liberty and justice you can afford. If you can't afford your liberty and justice, then you don't get it. Bunch of ad- jerks, you know. It's, 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 it's like, it's like if, if you ever play like uh, a game and you know about mods and cheats and you know like, like you can put in those codes, you can't put the infinite health and infinite ammo cheat and then beat the game and say like, oh wow, like look at this, like I tried so hard. No, you put on the infinite health and infinite ammo cheat. That's not trying hard. That's just cheating.
5: Yeah, so I think people don't realize like how much um, even the basic thing, a basic thing like money, money things seems to people like a real thing. Like Mia was saying, this is not a real thing, but um, it's all composed of regulations. We have all sorts of financial instruments that nobody can even understand. So only some people who do understand them can trade in them.
0: I hate to be the spoiled sport every time, but uh, we are now running over time and I have to get back to my son.
1: That's totally you are a fine. great, great yeah, thing that's fine. to tell us. Yeah, you know, I just go until uh, somebody's got to go and then everybody Same. goes. So that's nice. a that's great session, guys. Thank you so much for coming. Especially Heidi Briones. I got it right this time?
2: I did. And thank oh, you so much really for, for having me. It
1: was well, great to have you. Thank you for doing what yeah, we're, we're all saying we should be doing, which is becoming the government. If there's anything that our podcast can do to help your campaign, we'll, we'll happily do it if you want to have an episode uh, on any topic. You can we can schedule that if you want to come back anytime. If you want to come back every week, if you want, you're always welcome here. It was really great to get your to get your thoughts.
5: Cheryl, can you tell our um view our listeners if they want to join our round roundtable podcast, how they can do it? Because I think we're still creating more roundtables, right?
1: We are waiting for um, another editor, so I'm not the only one editing. Uh, because eight podcasts a week is my current limit that
4: makes sense Uh, Mm -hmm.
1: so we're not taking signups at the moment but i'm glad you brought that up we will we will expand hopefully in the future um but yeah we're Uh, not actually uh, that being
0: said we are looking for people for administrative roles to help us get this moving a little
1: better yeah very much.
4: we we need someone to set up a patreon we need someone
1: running twitter people need to be be speakers too we need them to be part of the organization so we need to figure out how to draw from within or allow in specifically people because they have those skills so we'll do that Um, but let's let's talk about that I'm also interested in what if uh, what about Heidi who is kind
5: of a special guest today if you want to be a special guest when we have somebody who's you know unable to
1: take their time Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not sure what you mean in other words is there a place for special guests to sign up Oh, uh, no. Just message Reach out to any of us. <laughs> yeah, just just message m- anybody, me or Caroline or assistant producer or, or anybody. Um, um, yeah. Okay, because me-
5: I know I almost didn't make it today, and you could have had another person in my spot if I let you know in ahead enhan- ahead of time.
1: Yeah. Uh, you just tell the chat, or you can tell tell Mia our schedule. I guess you know she's the she'll she'll.
5: I
0: will take any and all people who want to come onto this show and fit you into a slot for a temporary guest appearance. If you just contact me at. Mia Songbird.
5: Perfect. Thank you.
0: Um,
4: before we hop, I want to touch back on what I thought was an important thing Faye brought up because it was kind of a call to action to find out about your state democratic convention, to start working on proposals to, for those conventions, to try to attend them, uh, to just generally get more involved at your local level.
1: Thank you. All right. Let's just each say our uh, Twitter handles one more time. So in case anybody's curious, they can follow us at the end of this episode, starting with you, Ariel.
3: Yeah, my name's Ariel. Um, I also have a YouTube page, Revolutionary Thinking, one word. And my Twitter handle is ariels underscore armada.
4: Elizabeth, the name on Twitter is The Wandering Unicorn. It's the same on Twitch, and the actual tag is unicorn0369.
5: Hi, I'm Faye Koo, and I'm at Palestine Math. You can find me on Facebook as Faye Koo.
2: My name's Heidi Brionis, and you can find me on Twitter at Heidi Brionis. Um, You can also search uh, Heidi for Oregon, and I should come up with a verified account, so you'll know it's me.
0: I just did this five seconds ago, but I'll do it again. At me as Songbird, DM me if you want to get a desk spot on the podcast, or, you know, if you just want to talk. I'm, I'm really open and accessible.
1: And that's Mia, M-E-A, Songbird. And I am Shale Riley at Twitter, S-H-A-E-L-R-I-L-E-Y. Thank you so much for spending time listening to us. I hope you listen to us again soon. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you learned something. Until next time, take care and take care of each other. All right. Uh, Elizabeth, be well. you got to kick Craig out. It's going to okay. be Okay. Uh,
4: and so is that just the same thing but
1: instead of join leave yes okay yeah
2: all right thank you guys i'm gonna hop off but that was awesome Heidi, yeah
1: anytime seriously if thank you, need you help Heidi. With, with anything if you need a audio so nice engineering to help let me know i can help with that
2: yeah that'd be that'd be great